Everyone's in the best shape of their careers. Nothing but smiles. The vibes are immaculate. There's still no practice facility. But everything else is awesome. It's Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets. Your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You got to add in a little bit of sour with the sweet, Adam Mares. This is Locked On Nuggets. <laughs> Welcome to Locked On Nuggets. You're hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold up, hold up, before you get into it. Sorry, but you just got to experience a, one thing that nobody ever knows. Nobody ever knows behind the scenes. Whenever you like do the pre-show ramp up and you're like, okay, positive, positive, positive. And then Matt does the take uh, the, the tease and it's like, Totally shocks you. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow. Okay. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily source for all things Nuggets from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us, making us your first listen. Appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us those five-star reviews. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Listen to this. If you're joining us on the live show, which everyone can by going to youtube.com slash locked on nuggets. Just turn on uh, the notifications and hit the old like button there for us. Hit subscribe. Uh, welcome in to the live show, which we're recording on Monday night after Nuggets Media Day 2023. On today's show, we'll break down all of the news from Media Day. We'll talk about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Jamal Murray and, my, and Michael Malone and the differences in what they talked about. As far as uh, Murray's season coming up, we'll talk about the vibes. We'll talk about... Uh, whether MPJ could still be an elite shooter or not, spoiler alert, he can. And uh, all things to do with Nuggets Media Day. It was great to be back in the building. Adam Mares was there, and Cam was there as well. Swipa was in the building, got to meet him for the first time today. Swipa, how you doing, man? Welcome to Denver. Back to Denver. Yeah, it's been a, it was a really good day. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of fun. It was good to meet Matt in person. Um, you know, it's always surprising, like, whenever you see people in person, you never know just exactly how tall everyone is. And so, Matt, I was, like, pleasantly surprised. You know, and then Adam, <laughs> obviously, he towered over everyone. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is, I, like, usually it's like, oh, look, he's an average height. And then, like, I work with Mares, so it's like, oh, the little guy that, like, walks around with Mares, like, the little guy. Um, Adam, what you think? how was it to be back in the building? Uh, I said this over at DNVR. My excitement level on a scale of one to 10 as I was driving in, I would say it was somewhere around a three. I was a little bit excited, but I was less than halfway excited. And my excitement level driving over to the DNVR after, after media day was like a nine. It was really, really high. I mean, media day picked me up. It was exciting. It was interesting. It was fun. It was funny. It was, um, it was good vibes, man. It was good. Yeah. Uh, great vibes all around. I think that that was kind of the over, message we'll go through and kind of give our big takeaways from it i think my big takeaway from media day um was largely that denver still kind of at least right now carrying into the season everyone seems happy uh everyone now most media days are pretty positive guys are happy to be back it's all smiles but like there's a little bit of a difference here i think with there isn't the sense of urgency that was there in years past, but there's a confidence now that's kind of replaced it where if in previous years, it was like, we know we can do it, but we got to get, stay healthy and we got to actually make this happen. Now I think it's more of, okay, we know we can do this. We just got to time it right to be ready. For, like there was talk of playing the best at the right time from Calvin Booth. There was talk of Michael Malone and about like what the goals are again. 
Um, I do think it's interesting to be at a, I haven't really been at a media day after a team has won a championship. So it's kind of interesting to be like, what are your goals? And it's like, do it again. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of the overarching theme of the day, which is the guys don't seem like they're satisfied, but also it's like, they, they know what the deal is. Everybody understands their role. Uh, Swipe what was your big takeaway from media day? Yeah, uh, I definitely think that listening to Coach Malone, this is I felt like was the most relaxed I've seen him in a presser. And I think just what he was communicating and what he was emphasizing. Um, and even just like, even when he was talking about the young guys and like the bench and, and Peyton Watson, there just seemed to be just more they're going to go through their process and then we're going to go through it with them type thing. And I love hearing what from Calvin Booth, uh, you know, he talked about his strategy and what they were looking for. And, um, but I got to say, I think the thing that got me most juice for everything was Jamal Murray. Um, he just has like, always has his edge to him a little bit. And then when the question about the all-star all NBA stuff was brought up to him, he just, it didn't get feisty like in a, in a bad way. It's just like this massive competitive spirit just came out of nowhere and he's just like, look, you know, what's more important? The end of the season? That's right. Like, some dudes want to get it all-star. I want an NBA championship. You know, that's what it is, type thing. And, and like, I just love, like, he never settles. Like, some for somewhere in his mind, he seems to always be on. I, I tried the the whole, like, hey, what's your mindset going into this season? Just wondering, like, does he want to attack and those kind of things? And he was like, win the championship again. And I was like... Okay. All right. All right. I see. I, I, we kind of, we, we talked about last night, Adam and I did about what we were expecting from Jamal. Uh, wouldn't say that we got like light and happy Jamal. Um, I, Adam, <laughs> can I ask you like, do, do you think some of this is just that he naturally is always going to resist external expectations because he sets the internal one so high? Like, I wonder if that's part of why. So no, I think, my my opinion, my interpretation of Jamal is the same as my interpretation of Jokic and for most of these guys. And I'm going to use Swipa as my example here to, to to demonstrate this. We've all seen Swipa's shows, his reaction, you know, to games, and we've met him in real life. We've seen him on this show. It's a different voice, you know. There's energy. There's excitement. He's doing the thing when the Nuggets win. It's not that he's being disingenuous. He's channeling a certain aspect of his personality. It's the way I speak in a different voice on this show than I do on DNVR and so forth. You kind of channel a certain aspect of your personality depending on the shows. I think Jamal Murray channels an aspect of his personality when he talks to the media. I think Jokic channels a certain part of his personality when he speaks to the media or when he, say, walks into the building for media day. It's not the whole truth, but it's also not a lie. It's just, hey... This is my persona. And Murray today was short, you might say terse, um, serious in a way that I know he's not always. But again, that's just the the face he puts on when he's in that space. Adam, what was your big takeaway for me today? Well, I want to hear you for, I just talked a little bit. I want to hear you for, I'll go last on takeaways because people have heard mine, you know, over at DNVR. I went first, but I'll go again. I will say that, um, and there's like one, I will say this too, um, I'm really interested in a lot of the of the of the role guys. Like I'm just really well, interested. In me them. too. Like Hunter Tyson's answers were really interesting today. I thought that like Justin Holiday kind of won the room as the last interview, where a lot of some of the 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 folks had gotten what they needed from Jokic and uh, Jamal and, and took off. It's hey, it's okay. I get it. I get it. Uh, they 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 came for the the one song from the concert and they didn't stay for the encore with the deep cuts and the and the covers. <laughs> um, 
but like Justin Holiday gave like really long detailed answers. The other thing is like Reggie Jackson talking about how like I'm the happiest guy on the team because he's so overjoyed to be. It's really funny because Adam and I continually talk about like, yeah, I don't know how Reggie Jackson like fits with how this team plays. And all Reggie Jackson says is I love the way this team plays. So it was just kind of interesting to see the, the, the other guys kind of what they talked about, whether it was Jalen Pickett, uh, whether it was Julian Strother, whether it was Hunter Tyson, all these guys. Um, I'm much more interested to find out their stories and to follow their, uh, I, I hate this term, but I'll use it, to follow their journeys this season as they the new guys especially joining a championship team. Couldn't say it better myself. They really were the story out of – you know, if you just talked about individuals, Reggie Jackson, Justin Holiday, and Michael Porter Jr., in my opinion, those three guys won media day today. They were phenomenal. Their answers were interesting. And you're right. I didn't really have strong takes about Reggie Jackson, the character, coming into media day today. We've heard him talk a few times. You know, I've talked talk to him a few times, like at the podium or this or that. But because he came over late, didn't really get to know him. I feel like I got to know him more today at Media Day than I had anything previous combined. Um, and it was great to get that perspective of him. So I'm with you. And Justin Holiday the same. Justin Holiday's line today where he said Malone and, and Calvin, when they were recruiting him and trying to sign him, the line that won him over was, or, or the, the idea was, the people who are supposed to play will play. And I love that line. Because it wasn't, and he was saying, they didn't tell me I'm going to play. They didn't tell me I'm not. They just said the person that's supposed to will, and I can live with that. You go to some places, and that's not always the case. There's politics involved. There's long-term thinking or short-term or whatever it is. So I just thought that those guys provided such good insight uh, into this team and where they're at. But my takeaway, if I kind of pivot here real quickly, just to throw this idea out to you guys. You said that the goal was the championship, and I think that that was Michael Malone's goal. But I actually heard something else from a lot of the players, and I think AG said it best. There was that old, it was actually a Carmelo Anthony commercial narrated by John Thompson that came out maybe 15 years ago. And only greatness equals greatness. His MVPs don't equal greatness. Scoring titles don't equal greatness. And he even says championships don't equal greatness. Only greatness equals greatness. And Aaron Gordon, when he was asked what his goal was, it was to be better. It wasn't to win, which is a great, good enough goal, but I think misses the target sometimes. When Jokic talked, he said, we want to compete for a championship this year. We want to try to win. A he didn't say we want to win. And I just love that because I think it's the healthy mind frame for any person trying to push themselves to the limit is the result is often a championship, but the goal is just to be the best we can be. And I felt like it was just such a healthy, like, and I heard it from a couple different players to, in, in some form or fashion today. And I just thought that was so cool. Swipe, what do you think about that? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, do you remember when they were talking about, I think it might have been when we were talking to Calvin Booth, this idea of not just repeating, but like we want to set up ourselves to be great down the line. Like we want to continue to have like habits and culture that reflect what we want to do, what we want to accomplish. And so I think having a larger view intact that I think obviously it's, it's very easy to be narrow and think this year it's about repeating. But instead of saying that we actually want to continue to build on the culture that we've established. And again, Josh Kroenke, Calvin Booth, they brought up the Golden State Warriors. They brought up the draft. 
Remember when Calvin Brew brought up the kinds of players they're looking for? He said that when you get players of these particular types of skill sets, they get very expensive. So what you do is you then rely on the inexperience in the draft and you try to build them up through your system. So they have a very long view in their approach to how do you stretch out this period where you're dominating and you're performing at a high level, but you're doing it on your own terms. And I really love the way that they're approaching all of this. On the other side, we'll talk about Nikola Jokic and how he looks jacked. Uh, some interesting stuff from Josh Kroenke and Calvin Booth on building a championship team under the new CBA. We'll talk best quote of Media Day and all that and more as we continue our discussion of Nuggets Media Day here on Locked on Nuggets. But first, I need to tell you about Ibotta. You know, the weather's getting colder, cooler, and that means it's time to stock your closet with winter clothes. It'll be cold here in Colorado probably in the next, like, 45 days. Tuesday. But, no, and Tuesday. It cools off. Yep, yep, and that's and that's I'm it. I'm going to San Diego. Good, goodbye, son. With Ibotta, you get cash back on winter coats, hats, gloves, scarves, and more for the whole family. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $100 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCK to start earning real cash back. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCK. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store, and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Three-man show with Adam Mares, Swipa, going over media day. Glad to have you with us here on Tuesday. Uh, so I wanted to get to some of Josh Kroenke's comments. So I asked him about how to build a championship team under the new CBA because part of what we, and we didn't really talk about this on, on Sunday show, Adam, was that that has to kind of be layered into why Calvin Booth took the approach that he did with, with choosing the young guys. I think we can agree that like Calvin Booth trusts his drafting and his scouting and believes in the guys that he drafted. He believes in Peyton Watson. He obviously believes in Christian Brown, believes in Jalen Pickett, Jalen Pickett, Julian Strother and Hunter Tyson. Like those guys are on, guaranteed deals and there's been a commitment to them in the rotation and there aren't a lot of guys that are in front of them but part of like what i asked about was the new cba and how it kind of changes things and like there was kind of this admission and swipe kind of mentioned it from the golden state perspective the league has made it more difficult to have the kind of starting unit that denver has um where you have two max players and a super max alongside aaron gordon uh, on a hundred million dollar contract so the league has made that more difficult and the way that you're going to have to kind of manage it, I think we're going to see more of this. And honestly, Adam, if we look around the league and we look at Milwaukee and even Boston, we see something similar and the Lakers to a certain degree as well. When you have two superstars, even just two, just two superstars, when you get to that bench, all of a sudden you run out of like veteran rotation guys real quick. Like a lot of these teams are having to go young because they're cost controlled and, and more affordable. I think that definitely played into how 
because Calvin can have a vision of the future, but Josh Cronkey's going to have a say in what they do as well. And if the if if KSC was like, no, 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 like let's get some veterans in there, that changes the edict and changes the direction. They do trust Calvin for sure to to do his job. But I think it's interesting to kind of look at it from that perspective of this is what's going to be necessary now and going forward as long as the Nuggets starting five is intact. I mean, absolutely. That's that's exactly the situation. And by the way, as a little side note, quick side note. This might be why it's not a great CBA for everyone is there does seem to be like a drop off for some of these role players where typically you would hope that their guys, guys, six, seven, eight are making good money. Probably not going to be the case for most teams going forward or, you know, so, so that's the situation. But when you, you said young guys, they're not young. Jalen Pickett is old. Hunter Tyson is old. Julian Strother is not young. Uh, Peyton Watson today reminded everyone he's the youngest guy on the team. He's actually the youngest one. And, I mean, look, they're inexperienced, which is true. But I think that that is a part of the vision of, as well is we're probably not going to have these guys for long. These guys will probably cycle through and we're going to have to keep finding guys like that. So we can't afford to waste time on guys that are two years away, three years away. I think the hope is that one or all of Hunter Tyson, Julian Strother and Jalen Pickett can be ready in short order and then give them a couple years before, you know, this whole thing kind of turns over. So to me, that is the strategy. Um and when you look at the roster, man, some of these young guys are going to play. These inexperienced guys are definitely going to play. So why do you feel like uh, with the, I guess, young guys, the inexper- how about inexperienced? Is that, yeah, is that the inexperienced. Yep. The inexperienced. inexperienced guys on the bench. Uh, does your view of them change at all based off of like their kind of comments today from media day, like he- hearing them and what they've talked about or hearing the plan from Michael Malone and Calvin Booth? Did any of that kind of shift your opinion on, on how the, the bench minutes are, are going to go this year? Uh, I wouldn't say it did per se. I think that because of the way that the bench is already structured, we already knew that Zeke, Peyton, Christian, and then some iteration of Hunter Tyson, Julian, and Jalen, they were going to have to play. And so they were already going to be very young relative to what they were pushing out last year with Bruce Brown at 25 and then obviously Jeff Green at 36 years old. So I think that they were always going to have to lean into that. But again, it, there just appears to be a, again, maybe it's the championship. I don't like, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, Adam talked about like the mood was just maybe distinctively different than it's been previously. There just seemed to be an acceptance of this is the reality. And this is kind of what we're building into our identity. We have young players, but they're going to get experience. We're going to get them on board and we're going to get them caught up, but it's going to be a little rough. Uh, it sounds like to start off for a couple of you dudes and, that's just kind of happened when you're learning how to play NBA basketball. I mean, Hunter Tyson talked about the transition today. Julian Strother talked about the transition. Jalen Pickett today talked about he'd never come off the bench. So even he's going to have to be, you know, readjusted to what he's being asked to do right now. So I think as a whole, it just really just communicates when you hear Booth and when you hear Malone that, look, these guys are going to have to play just because this is the nature of the NBA right now. Somebody asked in the comment section, so I wanted to go ahead and touch on it. Uh, Joe and Philly asked, did Kroenke address TV access going forward? So I asked him about the fact that the Suns and the Jazz are both ain't new deals for for distribution, either with local TV affiliates or through independent streaming options. you got the Clippers that started that already. Um, I asked about it, and Kroenke said, like, we've, you know, we've looked at all these dev options. And in the beginning, I thought he was going to be like, yeah, you know, we've definitely like kind of looked at that, and it's something that we're definitely like we're looking to pursue. We're forming plans etc but then he just basically pivoted back to like i'm so frustrated with comcast like that's like yeah but he also had our model is different 
Yeah. Which I think a good follow-up should have been in what ways is the model different? Like, I think he's referencing that they own their own RSN, they own Altitude. Mm -hmm. So it's a little, it's not like, oh, we don't have an outlet, we'll just stream or this or that. We have, they have to pay a bill of, that they've created that they don't want to lose. But nonetheless, Matt, that to me, and I don't know how you feel, but I'm glad he addressed it. He didn't run from the question. Yep. But at the same time, do I really feel like I gained any insight on the training facility or the television situation today? Nope. Do you? No, not at all. Um, the first question was about the practice facility, and um, he uh, kind of bland. Well, not the first one. One of the first questions was about it, and he basically was like, "You know, we we have the property. Um, we're working towards phase one." And then there was a follow up of, "Okay, do you have a ETA on phase one?" Nope. So it's still in limbo, and it's. Are you aware of where the Avs practice, Adam? Where the abs practice? Yeah, there's like that that ice rink or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, our abs people go. So it's a, we do show it's a public facility. Yeah, like you can just go down there and hang. I, I'll tell you this: the NHL is different, though. It's a different beast. I mean, the Coyotes don't have an arena, for example. So True. there's layers to this at the That's NHL true. level. Um, and look, you know, he's brought to <laughs> he's brought two championships to Denver in the last two years. So hard to argue with with how things have gone. But this is what I always say about the Cronkies. They're a mixed bag. They're neither good nor bad, good nor evil. Many of these things like they have some things about them that are elite and awesome. I think this is one. And today did nothing to strengthen my faith that this will ever get resolved or get resolved in a way that I think is good for the city of Denver, which I care about deeply. Um, so they have their flaws. And that today, again, he said some things without really giving answers, and and somebody put this in here. I said this on DMVR. I don't want to beat it too hard, but no one is more mad than we are is just a line that I feel like they should probably workshop. <laughs> yeah, probably move that one aside. Uh, Swipe, as somebody that, that lives outside the market, do you have any thoughts kind of on how this whole thing has played out and how it's going? Like, I'm just mostly just like, this sucks for fans, man. I'm so tired of this being a problem for fans to be able to watch their favorite team. Yeah, I mean, it's always been a benefit that I've been able to cover the team in Atlanta this whole time. I haven't had to worry about blackouts at all. So um, I think for the, today, I've been listening to this obviously for years now. I just, it felt like a big TBD when he was talking about this whole section. And I think that uh, it's just been very frustrating. And I think that a lot of Denver Nuggets fans are watching and Colorado Avalanche fans are watching other teams come to solutions on getting this issue resolved and making the game more accessible. The NFL, um, as we talked about before, uh, Matt, I think maybe a month ago when the NFL uh, put the Sunday ticket on YouTube um, to try to make it more accessible. Like there's things that are being done uh, to make increased viewership and increase the fan experience, but just as of right now. And then when the, when it came to the practice facility, again, it's just, there's always just the same tone like around it. It's just, we don't exactly know when we'll have a solution but best believe eventually we will have a solution. And it just kind of keeps getting extending. The, the training facility one for me is understandable just because, again, you know, my background's in real estate. I, I, I still have context in real estate. A new development, which he basically said something that I've been saying for a long time. When they build up this, this huge development downtown that is going to change downtown Denver, they'll put one there. It doesn't make sense to invest in a tens of millions of dollars facility when you're going to rebuild a facility in five years, 10 years. So that one to me, I at least understand a little bit. I, that one to me, I can put separate of the TV deal. And the one thing I'll say about the TV deal again, not to come, you know, try to make the shield for Cronky fully here, but I just want to, I don't like the language of find a solution. It's find a way to get this to every household or to as many households as possible. There are solutions out there. 
Fubo TV, for example, you know, Direct TV. There, there are solutions where you can get it. They're just not convenient and they're not available to everyone. One of the things Ryan Harris talked about, he had this great interview where the owner of Utah Jazz, where he was saying back in the day when these things were on public TV, it was, you know, 8 million people could watch the Utah Jazz for free. When we moved to the RSN model, that meaning back in the old, the good old days of just regular Comcast, it was only accessible to one or two or three million people in their area. So even then, we weren't complaining about this back then. It was just a changing landscape. So for me, I like the idea of this once again being available to everyone. And I think that's what we're talking about, the Suns model, where it's on regular television and it's just a thing that people can access. That's what I like. But the Cronkies have created an opp several opportunities for people to watch Altitude. They're just expensive and they're not very popular. And your uncle probably isn't going to be the... Your uncle or grandpa is not going to be the guy that figures out how to how to get them. The 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 key though for me, Adam, is that all these solutions and to me it's like a little bit related to the practice facility is like they have to make it profitable. Like yeah. they're they're not willing. Like Ishbia and Balmer are like, yeah, now if we lose a little bit of money on this, this is okay because we're like we're building a culture around the team and we're 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 servicing the fans. And the Cronkies are like, absolutely, want to service the fans for forty nine nine a month, like yeah. as long as we get the return. And that's where I start to be like, okay, guys, like you're doing okay for yourselves. I think it's okay. But um, real quick though, the entire NBA did this twenty years ago when they went from. I mean, they used to be on local television. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, they used to. And the entire NBA said, we're going to make it available to fewer people, and we're going to make more money off it. The, the last line though here I'll say is, I think. An NBA team is a unique business in that it is three things at once. It is a private business. A person owns it. They get to, it's, it's a toy for a person, you know, to, it's to kind of enjoy. It's a way to make money and it's a public service. I honestly believe it's all those three things. Technically, legally speaking, it's actually only one thing. It's a private business. But it, in my mind, pro sports teams are all three of those things and they should be handled as those, as different things in different um at different times and under different circumstances. The television one to me is a public service. They, well, you want to make money, you want to maximize it. But when you get to the stalemate, you know what? We can't keep this from people anymore. Let's take a break on the other side. I want to get Adam's thoughts on and swipe out to be perfectly honest. Cause I don't have a lot. Uh, I need, I need input and feedback on what Nicole Jokic said today at media day. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Christian Brown leveling up. We'll talk about Zeke Naji and if he could stay healthy, all that and more on the other side on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Adam Mares, Swipa, and me, Matt Moore. Appreciate you guys being with us on Tuesday. Season's on. There are preseason games on Thursday. Thursday, the Abu Dhabi games are. It's crazy. Uh, all right, so Adam, I want to get... So Nicola comes in with Jamal, and... I didn't notice in the moment the social media pictures. Like I, I may just be getting old and my eyesight may be going. That may be possible. Like the social media pictures that show off how Jokic's guns look. I was like, damn, did not catch that in the moment. Uh, Yoke was generally like he was laughing around, playing, making jokes. Um, but he also kind of slipped back into. The, I'll say this. Um, it's partially our fault because this is media day. So you're going to get a handful of questions. And those questions are always going to feed back into. In my opinion, his biggest problem is he just wants different questions. Like, he doesn't want to be asked the same thing that he said he doesn't know how to answer again. You're disagreeing. You're shaking your head. 
Well, I gave this take on the other show, but I think Jokic, if you know, I've noticed a pattern with him. He hates speculative questions about the future. And us as media, most of what we do is speculate about the future. So when you ask Jokic, what is it going to take to win? Or what are you going to have to do to this? That's where he rolls his eyes because he's like, brother, we're just going to go out there and play. And what happens is going to happen. And he just like exists in the right now. And anytime you ask him about some far out ifs and maybes and what if that happens and this happens, he seems to get frustrated by it. I'm, you'll start to notice it now, now that I point it out. Yeah, yeah, that's really smart. That's really sharp, man. But I don't know why. I mean, honestly, it's a per- I, 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 I've said that when I watched The Last Dance, I noticed Jordan had this trait. He just seemed to always just be in the now. And I think that there is something about probably elite athletes that they do just live in the present way more than most people. And they're not thinking forward or backward. And I just, Yoke has that trait for whatever reason. So I mean, what did you think of, of Nicola's uh, presence today at the presser and kind of like what the things that he said, what was your takeaway from, from Joker? Uh, the first thing is the only time I saw him for real smile was when Adam asked him about PJ Dozier uh, playing in Serbia. And I think that was the, the time where he lit up. The whisperer. Those, you know, right. You know, yeah, ask him yeah, about Adam did his. <laughs> <The secret>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think he was in a good mood. It was just, you know, I think it's just getting back to the mundane of doing media day again. Um, and so I honestly didn't have like a crazy takeaways. You know, a couple people asked me about it after, you know, what I thought. I just said, I just, I generally just think he's, He's happy to be back with his teammates and, and get back into the groove of things, but um, I didn't have like any major takeaways from it. It just seemed like a pretty standard Jokic interview. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't. Um, he, I will say this: like he used to, have, he used to kind of give some insight. Like there used to be like things where he would kind of provide some insight on what he thought of teammates or what he thought of um, his game or the game of basketball, and that seems to have dropped off. I think significantly as he seeks more and more to just kind of get out of the room as quickly as possible. I think he had still had some good insights. I mean, I thought his answers again, what Joe and Philly asked, what what kind of questions does he want? He does like talking about other teammates and experiences with other teammates and these things. And the two times where I thought he was most long-winded and most insightful was about PJ Dozier and Partizan and about Aaron Gordon and Sombor. You know, those are things that are again are about relationships and about other people. And he he provided depth of of knowledge. And by the way, I really do, I don't know what you guys think. I really do think he genuinely appreciated Aaron Gordon's efforts this summer. Yes. You know what I mean? I think that meant something to him. I just, I, I can't really get over how much, um, when we look back on this era, when I'm asked about it and I'm trying to figure out how to properly cover this, it's just like, Aaron's so important for so many reasons. And like, I was really curious, you know, you, you mentioned about Aaron saying that, getting better and i don't know that there is like a lot of growth areas for aaron to take with his game he can sharpen like he could if he wanted to if the nuggets wanted to they could be like yeah we're gonna run some some lineups with gordon at point forward right or we're gonna you know try and get him as more of a score on the block or we're gonna play him more at center this year i don't think that's a good idea but like there are these things that he could do, but I was just like, when I saw Aaron, I saw how tanned he was and how happy he was. I was just like, this guy's on top of the frigging world. And, but he's also like so important for the nuggets and how he's like just the perfect player and personality for the role that he plays on Denver. 
What did can I ask you, uh, Matt and Adam? Remember when Calvin Booth? Uh, he he stated that he believed that the Denver Nuggets had three alphas, and he mentioned Joker, Jamal, and Aaron Gordon. What was what was y'all's takeaway when he said that? I mean, I don't I don't have a takeaway other than I here here's here's what I think. KCP and MPJ have a similar role on this team. They're floor spacers. They're low touch players. They don't touch the ball a whole lot. Because MPJ is a max player, we think of him as the big three. I kind of think that Aaron Gordon, Murray, and Jokic are the ones that those are the pressure points. And then KCP and MPJ are the spacers. So to me, it kind of makes sense. Um, I view the Nuggets more or less the same way. And it's it's a complicated question because we think of – this is why I hate player rankings. We always think of things in terms of like this linear best to worst. But I, I just don't think basketball works that way. I do think that Jokic, Murray, and AG – are the ones that run the dynamic parts of Denver's offense. And then Michael Porter and KCP are the ones that space and knock down threes. And there's tones that they set, right? Where Joker controls the tempo, the pace, the style, the movement. And Jamal dictates, I think, a certain level of the intensity. And AG dictates a little bit. He mentioned that KG complimented him at the Buffs game about that he plays tough and like that's a lot of it is like i think ag is has developed even more so than he was into like an extremely tough strong player and that's important i think to be like the synergy between those three guys is really fascinating but it's it's also i heard a podcast that was talking about well there's the big three and then aaron gordon and i'm and i'm like everyone i think that covers the team is very much of the opinion i i feel like of just like no, no, I think there's like the three guys and then there's MPJ. And that doesn't mean the MPJ is not as talented, but it's the synergy between those three guys that has made this team what it is, which is, you know, a champion. Yeah. I think when I think of Aaron Gordon, I, I think the things he's done since he's been in Denver, and I think even ingratiated himself into a new role immediately after coming over from Orlando, after getting – Again, you know, if we talk about uh, the Draymond Green first two games of the playoff two years ago, uh, the way he got kind of discombobulated and taken out of his game, his response saying he needs to get smarter and think about the game differently, seeing, you know, going to Prague, seeing Jokic in the, in the, in the World Cup qualifier, and then now this summer going out to Sambor, going to Serbia. I think that even the alpha part of Aaron Gordon is maybe that he's just kind of the glue that seems to hold a lot of different things together. And it's like his personality, he's very big on making space for other people. And I think that he does that both on court with his play and then off court, I think with the dynamic in the locker room. So I guess when, when Calvin said that, it just kind of registered to me that that could be a part of why, you know, he might be one of the three most important parts of this different Nuggets basketball team. I want to talk about MPJ because there's a comment in here and I can only get to it. Um, Steve says, I heard the comments on DMVR, but when I watched, I heard something a little different from MPJ. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first one to ask out. It's interesting that Steve said that because I got, like, the exact opposite from MPJ. And I got the the sense from MPJ of, he talked about, we've I've worked on my ball handling this summer, which that's really great to hear because that was the biggest thing that he needed to work on. And he hadn't had a chance to work on his game because of the injuries. Uh, he talked about like last year they were rehabbing in season. He, he and Jamal both, so he got to work in, on his his ball handling, and that doesn't. And Adam asked a follow up about what does that look like, and he he kind of was like, look, the roles aren't going to change dramatically. Like I, he and he, that shows so much like maturity. We talked about this on Sunday about how I was interested to hear this. 
MPJ very much sounds like, yeah, no, I'll have more opportunities and be a better player within my role. There's room for me in my role to, to use what I've worked on to be a better player for this team. But there was also like a very strong identity of like our, the, a, a very concurrent theme from all of the starters was our, like the starting five, our team whips ass. Like we know how good we are and we are not interested in disrupting how good a thing we have after winning a title. I thought that was, uh, I was really impressed with MPJ's comments, Adam. Yeah, I was too. And I see this comment here from Tim Joseph. He says, MPGA needs to learn how to take good shots. Michael Porter Jr. is currently at this very moment, the Denver Nuggets franchise leader in effective field goal percentage, <laughs> meaning he is at this moment at for a career has the most efficient shooting percentage of anybody to ever play for the Nuggets. So I would strongly disagree with that. Like sometimes like Clay Thompson, great shooters need to take quote unquote bad shots because it, it bends the defense. It does this or that. I think MPJ, I, I was so impressed with him today. Um, I've Dude. always really liked MPJ as time has gone on. I've liked him more and more. And I just felt like today was maybe my favorite podium Porter, um, that I've ever seen just with, with his perspective that he shared. And, um, somebody said, you know, I, I heard it a little bit different and maybe he wants out. I look, man, I would not be surprised if Michael Porter, cause I only think he's going to play till about 30. I wouldn't be surprised if he did at some point ask out and wanted to play one year or something with, with Trey young or, or as a number one option or this or that. I don't think, I think the perspective he shared today was one of acceptance of the situation he's in three back surgeries, the number three option or four option on a team you know, resigned and accepting of that, but also this like understanding of how he can make this situation perfect for him. And I, that's why I loved his comments so much today. Who, uh, Matt, who was it that uh, mentioned that they were talking about Porter, about their development and coming into the league. And uh, they he mentioned the three back surgeries that Porter had and they had that change. Uh, was that Peyton that was, that was talking about that when he was talking about like, yeah, his his coming into the NBA and all that. And one of the things one of the things that he said was is that he knows how good of a player he could have been had he not had those injuries. But what he accepted was his reality. And then by accepting that reality, he was able to become this kind of player. And so I just keep getting this 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 idea and this and even feedback from his teammates that Michael Porter Jr. has as he's gotten older, he's 25 now. He just repeatedly shown a willingness to just accept that this is what his life is. And it's, and it's good. Like he's, he's thriving in this role. He wants to exist in this role. And I think he really just, that's, that's why I also say that I heard differently from one of the comments. I just think that he seems more accepting of where he currently stands in the NBA and with his team than he ever had before. Well, some of the young guys, in particular, Peyton Watson and Christian Brown, uh, Adam, I felt like CB was pretty much just what I expected. Like, I I think I, I from almost day one with Christian Brown, I was just basically like, everything is going to be fine with this kid. He's going to play a long time in the league. He's going to be effective. He's going to be a rotation player. Coaches are going to like him. Teammates are going to like him. He has enough confidence to where he's able to compete in the NBA because you have to be confident. Otherwise, you'll get eaten alive. And he's not so confident that he's going to wind up hurting his team's chances and annoying veterans to the point where they don't want to play with him. Like he is the perfect balance of all things for the role player that, that he is. Um, did you hear anything today that you thought was particularly notable with CB and about 
where he sees his role going and about where the team sees his role going. It's clear that Calvin Booth thinks a lot of what he's going to do as far as stepping up and filling in some of the Bruce gap. The thing that stood out to me with him more than anything else is one, he seemed confident. I mean, what did Malone say that he walks around like a guy that won a championship? Um, But to me, you watch Jalen Pickett, Julian Strother, and Hunter Tyson today, and I thought they were all good. They all spoke clearly and, and, you know, all these different things. But you could also tell that they were like children giving their first public speech, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's very much a, I'm going to try to say the right thing and I don't, you know, whatever, this or that. With their own personalities mixed in, of course. Christian Brown, to me, was like that all of last year. And I thought he was a little different today. He was a little more relaxed, a little more like, I don't need to be putting on a face. I don't need to be this or that. I just can be a little bit more of myself and who I am. That's what I felt today. Um, and, and I thought it was cool to see. It's it's fun. Matt, you've been doing this longer than me. One of, my, one of the joys of this job really is watching these guys go through every phase. I mean, we remember that Murray used to be the guy that threw candy at Michael Malone in the pregame pressers. And then Jokic, you know, was goofy. And all he could do is, you know, he could never be serious. And Watching these guys kind of evolve and grow up and stuff is really, really cool. And for me, Christian Brown is sort of like this year, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's a second-year guy now, not a, not a rookie. Yeah, you get to watch it, uh, you know, from the outside and in these little glimpses and moments. But, yeah, it's, like, really cool. There was uh, – Alec Wim was had some gifts today of – the media day photos through the years and like looking at how much these guys are kids when they come into the league. It it's one of the things that I think is extremely notable. Um, I remember this is a, a tangent. Uh, I was in Kansas city covering a preseason game and the Pelicans, then the Hornets were there and Ryan Hollins was sitting next to a rookie. Um, and they were using the replacement refs cause they were having a disagreement with the, with the refs union. And so I asked the rookie, I was like, you know, like seemed like there was some frustration out there. Like, did you notice anything different about it? Did the guys tell you anything? And like Ryan Hollins like cuts me off and is like, don't ask him about that. And I was like, I wasn't trying to get him in trouble. He's like, I know you're not trying to do anything. He's like, but he's a rookie. Like, it's going to take a time. Like, this is like the first interview he's ever done. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like I was young then too. Right. And I, was like, I was like, oh shit. Like you realize like, these guys have never been in this situation sometimes, you know, some right. of them, you know, Christian, I think is, is one of the exceptions though, right. Where Christian has been in big stages a lot and like played for Kansas on a championship team. He's done, he's done press conferences. And that's one of the things I think that he prides himself on is how kind of ready he is for this. Um, so I don't, we needed to probably all go around and talk about Peyton. Um, what did you take away from Peyton's comments and what the general thought is from the team about where P Watt fits in this year, this season? Yeah, I mean, uh, Michael Malone said that obviously Peyton will have his opportunity, won't be given to him, but he has plenty of opportunity. He even said he's excited for Peyton's opportunity. I think Peyton is is, is ready. I think he is geared up. And he said that I have been more hungry in my basketball career the last couple of years than I ever have been. And some of that obviously because of what happened at UCLA. And then now he wants to reward Calvin Booth for his faith in him and drafting him. And you can tell the team – has talked to him. And he said the team has talked to me about what my role is, but also where I could be headed in terms of like, if I take care of my business. And then obviously I had a chance to ask him about like, you know, Paul George's comments, even this summer um, that he had to say uh, about Peyton Watson and all that. And so he even, I think he, it means something to him that there are people that are stamped in the NBA that believe in him. And then on top of that, having Calvin Booth believe in him in the way that he did by committing a graphic to him, 
he wants to prove to his teammates that he is worth being a part of the rotation and being a contributor. And you know what? What I love most is the players that he most compared himself to different differently than a lot of players with at that age, with that kind of skill set. He didn't say Kobe. He didn't say KD. He said Mikael Bridges. And he said Jaden McDaniels. Like there's something about him that he wants to slot in as like one of those elite high level two way players that contributes to winning basketball. And that was probably my favorite thing that I took away from him. If he if he's either of those guys, the Nuggets are going to win. I think six. I think I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to cap it up at six. <laughs> and maybe, maybe seven. I don't know how long Yoko play, but but yeah, six don't want to go crazy. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, I think uh, he talked about how he was 198 last year in preseason and he's 218 now. Um, I always, I say this constantly when people are like, Oh, he's too small to play in the NBA. He's too slight. I'm just like the, the guy I always say to go to is actually Deandre Jordan. Like go look at Deandre Jordan's uh, rookie photo and then look at where he was three seasons later. And you're just like, Oh my God. And it turns out that when your entire job is building up your body and playing basketball, you tend to get in pretty good shape. Uh, Adam, what you have? What thoughts did you have on on Peyton Watson and his comments today? I, I thought Swipe had really good insight on on that one. Um, I don't know if I have a whole lot else to add about it, other than um, you know, I'm curious. I'm, he's the he's is he the most exciting or most intriguing player of the preseason? I think he might be. Yeah, has the most to show. Yeah, I think because he's the, already, the rookies have rookie expectations right uh, rookies are a luxury if they hit it's mm-hmm. like awesome look at that and the starters are all known <laughs> yeah, and like reggie jackson's not going to come in and we're not going to be like holy crap no, reggie, no, reggie jack reggie jackson's way up there for me he really? might actually be number two really i <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'm intrigued by reggie jackson man he was so good today you know he what I want to so say? He he was, but you know who's also good is the guy sitting next to him, Justin Holiday. Oh, yeah. Where like, there's part of me that, that's Ooh. already starting. You, you called this about how I, I was going to be the Justin Holiday guy. <laughs> I'm already like, you know, maybe you just needed like Nuggets basketball. Maybe he's one of those guys that like struggles with how the league is everywhere else, and he gets here and is like, this is how basketball should be played, and he plays great. And that's it. Yeah, uh, Bubbles is asking me if I'd trade my guitars uh, for Piwat to become OG Ananobi. I think. <laughs> Mikhail Bridges, yes. OG Ananobi, I don't, I don't know if I can do my my Gretsch that way. I don't know if I could. Uh, all right, that's gonna wrap it up for Locked On. Well, hold on, um, I have to shout out one thing, and it it's both funny but also bugs me. Somebody, and I'm not trying to put this person on blast, but somebody asked Michael Porter that because he shot so <laughs> well in the, in the playoffs, does he still feel like he can be a good shooter? To which Michael Porter correctly just laughed. Like he kind of laughed and was like, Yeah, I think I could be a good shooter. But the setup was actually the, you know, that you can easily dismiss as Michael Porter did. But the setup also bothered me. Michael Porter shot 42% in the first round. I think his comment was. He slumped till 38% in the second round. Then he bounced back to 42% in the third round. He shot 14% in the finals. Michael Porter shot poorly in the finals. In yeah. the 4-1 NBA Finals, the Nuggets won four games to one. He was lights out, as he always is in rounds one, two, and three. So I, I hate when narratives kind of expand over time. I feel I just wonder if this is a common thing. If Porter's shooting slump in the finals has somehow, like, 
what is that called? Mandela affected people into thinking he actually had a horrible playoffs. Not, not I thinking. thought the question was only about the finals. I still wouldn't have asked it because I, I understand how shooting works, but like, um, you know, actually it's kind of fun. We just talk about this another time, but as this whole argument today, because like heat fans are like, no, this is actually who they are. And I'm like, you're not 45% shooters. That's not, that's not, I, that's, uh, that, that's not who you Matt, are. Matt, I'll be honest. Matt, Matt, you're saying you were arguing with heat fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Matt. Maybe it's a story for another day. I hate that argument. I hate it. I don't yeah, we like it. We can, we can talk about it for another day. Uh, that's got to wrap it. And then I'll, that, that, I'll... that argument is in the same box as the Nuggets didn't play a two seed or a one or whatever it is. Like, yeah. uh, it's in the same one for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've, I've only got 70 years of, of facts on my side. So let's, uh, we'll wrap it up here. I mean, and... I'm, what, here, here's what, just to say, it's not about, it's not about that. It's that talking about what could happen in the future is fun and it works. Talking about what could happen in the past to me is like, no, man, the Heat did. I mean, Jimmy Butler did score 56 yeah. points. He's not a 56-point game scorer. I never would have guessed it, but he did. And I just can't take that from him or, or from that's them. That, that's my only that's thing. Sports. That's sports. Yeah, and it's like, no, you're right that the Miami Heat are not good three-point shooters. And they were. But they were. They were. Like, uh... That will wrap it up for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Swipe and I will do a show and get you covered on first day of training camp. All the news coming out from that. We'll continue talking about what we're hoping to see from the Nuggets as they approach their first preseason game here in about a week's time. Uh, Adam will be in. Oh, my God. You're right. In one week, they have a game. It's Tuesday. Holy crap. Uh, Covering the Nuggets. So you'll see Adam later this week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great night. We'll see you guys again next time on Lockdown.